welcome to the UCSF Sports Medicine Podcast, six to eight weeks, perspectives in medicine. During our program, we continue to cover a variety of hot topics in the sports medicine world and more. Welcome everyone to our UCSF Sports Medicine Podcast, six to eight weeks with myself, Dr. Nera Fundia, Dr. Brian Feely, and Dr. Drew Lansdowne. After a summer of baseball highlights, and I'm not a big baseball fan, so very bored, NFL training camp <laughs> is starting. Lots of injuries with NFL training camp getting started. Lots of questions about what these injuries actually mean for a lot of star players across the league. So we're going to break down some of the basics behind these injuries involving some of the star players, as well as talk about training camp injuries in general. Maybe the first question for you, Brian, particularly here in the Bay Area, Brock Purdy, with the traumatic injury, suffers a tear of his UCL. He undergoes a UCL repair with a quote-unquote internal brace. What does that mean? What's the potential timeline for this? And will he potentially be able to play You know, right at that six-month mark when the season starts? Sure. So I was shocked that ESPN, went, they're going through each player group and Brock Purdy was not in the top 10 NFL quarterbacks. I think I would rank him number two right now, definitely ahead of anybody who the Packers or Bears have. But when you look That's at totally Brock Purdy, fair now. Yeah, probably. <laughs> when you look at Brock Purdy's injury, he was injured January 30th in the NFC championship game. And he added injury to the owner collateral ligament or the Tommy John ligament that you hear about a lot with baseball pitchers. When you're a baseball pitcher, this is going to be an injury that you're out for at least a year, usually because this was an attritional injury, meaning you've stretched out that ligament on the inside of your elbow over the course of years and years and years, and then finally it ruptures. When you have that, you have to have it reconstructed, and that's at least a year to get back to full, complete throwing for a major league baseball player. The way Brock Purdy injured his elbow was his elbow is essentially fine until he got hit and you get a traumatic injury to a ligament that was healthy before that. The internal brace takes advantage of that and basically says, if we can give stability to the elbow, repair the ligament, and then give some internal structure with essentially a really strong piece of string that's on the inside of your elbow, you will be able to recover a little bit faster and you'll be able to get back to throwing a little bit faster. So that's why we're talking about him getting back within one year rather than looking at a multi-year process to get back. The important thing to think about too is that throwing a football, even though the mechanics look largely the same, they're completely different when you look at the forces across the elbow. The likelihood that he re-injures himself when he gets back is much, much lower. And his ability to get back to the same level of performance, which admittedly was amazing, probably Hall of Fame level throwing last year, is much more likely. When we look at the timeline for when he can get back, he had surgery March 10th. If you say six months after that, which I think is pretty reasonable, you're looking at first week of the season. So whether or not he feels like the rest of his body is ready, probably you could do a lot of the conditioning stuff, especially lower body stuff and running all the way through this. So he's probably going to be in good shape, has more time to look at the playbook. And really the question is, is can he make those game time decisions? It used to be that you felt like you really needed three to four preseason games to really feel like you're in game shape. I'm not sure that's true anymore with all the simulations they can do. So my guess would be if he's not playing week one, he'll be in there one of the first couple weeks for the 49ers. Yeah, one of the questions I think people don't know about, and maybe this is for you, Drew, is, you know, we talk about UCL repairs, reconstructions, and we know that they have a pretty good track record for getting back to throwing. But what about to contact and impact? You know, we talk about elbow dislocations that are traumatic, and there's just not a good track record of 
throwing athletes who take contact. What do you tell athletes who potentially have this kind of reconstruction or repair? How is it going to hold up to repetitively getting hit in traumatic forces? Yeah, and I think, you know, going back to almost all football activities should perform well. And he should be able to get back, play the same style, throw the same way. You know, if he got hit like he did in the playoff game, like it will probably tear again. Uh, he's, you know, hit by defensive linemen as his arm is cocked back. And that's just in that vulnerable position, putting that extreme load on it. And it won't be stronger than it was before for something like that. But that's just like a almost a freak occurrence of getting hit with a huge amount of force at the exact wrong time, you know, just as he's like the arm is back starting to follow through. And that unfortunate timing was probably the biggest thing. But I think for him getting tackled, getting hit, like I wouldn't have a lot of concern that this is going to happen again, just with some lower level, even contact. Yeah, It would just be that like huge, unlikely event happening again. What I'm hearing, Drew, is that you're saying that if it weren't for that unfortunate event, the 49ers win the Super Bowl. I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that definitely chances were gone after that. You know, and, and it is interesting, you know, that it's such a rare thing that we see in quarterbacks and the two quarterbacks who have had this both played for the 49ers. Nick Mullins had a UCL repair, you know, subsequently, I think after I think he was technically on the team when he had the surgery done. I think he had they'd released him or and then Brock Purdy. So very little track record with this. Obviously, great data in baseball pitchers. I think 90, 95% return rate with UCL repairs. So it'll be interesting and hopefully great for the 49ers if he can get out there and be effective on the field. And then we'll have three quarterbacks competing, Trey Lance, Sam Darnold, <laughs> and Brock Purdy. You know, we got an ankle fracture, a UCL repair, and Sam Darnold. So um, <laughs> that'll be inter- interesting to see. Moving on to another injury, lots of ACL injuries, particularly in the NFL. We Every year, it seems that there's a lot of these that occur early in training camp, and everyone's worried about an injury epidemic. There's obviously lots of issues right now going on between grass versus artificial turf, but Kyler Murray had an injury at the end of the season, tore his ACL, and underwent ACL reconstruction. Tell us a little bit more, maybe, Brian, about the general timeline for, you know, a professional athlete in terms of when they get back to sport and kind of what you should look at in terms of performance when they're coming back. For patients, an ACL recovery is an eight to nine month recovery. And sometimes you can push it to seven. But when you look at return to sport rates that are six months and fewer, they're usually met with considerably higher re-injury rates. The risk of him going back too soon is that he would need a second ACL surgery, that he re-tears the graft early on. And so you're really looking at him coming back eight to nine months afterwards. So he had surgery, he had his injury mid-December, he had surgery early January. So nine months is, again, at the Brock Purdy speed, looking at mid-September. So he could be on track for week one. I think the main difference is you can't necessarily do all the same level of drills and the same conditioning when you're trying to rehab an ACL because the running and particularly the cutting, there really isn't a way to do that until you're within a month of the season. So we don't really let patients and athletes go back to cutting and training the way you would for football until probably around month seven or eight. Is there a chance? Absolutely. And I think the best comp for that is Adrian Peterson, who got injured in the playoffs, had surgery first part of the year, and had an amazing game his first game back. He ran for over 200 yards in his first game back, and that was week one. Now, when you look at the average uh, NFL quarterback, they take 
about 12 months to get back. So Kyler Murray is mostly a quarterback, but also a running back. So I think you have to look at, there's a chance that he comes back for the Cardinals week one, week two, week three. There's also a possibility they hold him out, make sure he's really 100%. And if I'm Kyler Murray, I probably got a good sense of how my body feels. From the medical staff, I want to make sure he's passing all the drills, making sure he feels ready to play mentally. We know that's a big part of assessing return to sport. And he's doing the agility things and the landing things that aren't putting his mechanics at higher risk. Should he get hit or should he do a non-contact pivoting injury where he would be at higher risk to re-tear the graft? And Drew, you know, a lot of people, I think this is good for in general, not, not for just professional athletes, but patients as well, too. Why can't you just rehab really hard and come back in three months? Like, you know, they show these videos, of, you know, a lot of these players like lifting 500 pounds in three months. Like, why, why does it take nine to 12 months for, to get back after ACL surgery if you're strong and running and doing all that stuff? For ACL reconstruction surgery, that we put in a tendon to substitute as the ligament, and then your body remodels the tissue. Like, the tendon structure is different from ligament structure, and it has to reorient, change its composition, and then get stronger so it's able to withstand the forces that you need. So a lot of it is just giving your body time to go through that process. And that's something that we haven't figured out how to accelerate yet. Hopefully someday we have something that can do that, but it's just like a healing process that takes time. And then your kind of static strength that can come back first. And then, you know, layering that on that, uh, like the dynamic movements that always takes more time. And then, you know, just those neurocognitive connections and improved reaction. But, you know, the biggest delay is really that graft process. I'm going to ask you another question. Why, why can't we just put a rope in the knee? It's yeah, just, so been, it, it's just structural, so, right? We could that's what Drew's doing strong. tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what Brian <laughs> does for his patients. No, hey. people have tried, like there have been attempts at synthetic ligaments. And then the problem is that the tissue needs to remodel to the forces that it sees. And then, you know, it's like a paperclip or any other like synthetic material, like over time it can fatigue and fail or it's not biologically compatible and then your knee reacts to it and has this you know inflammation and the knee gets destroyed as a result but you know it would be great if we had something that was you know time zero full strength full incorporation and then it had the ability to you know change over time as it needs to and then it's totally inert but i think that material property isn't quite there yet and I think the, the last key thing I think for a lot of people to understand before we jump to the, the next injury is that a lot of studies have shown it's not the first season back where metrics return to normal. It's usually that second season back. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's more and more data showing that biomechanics and confidence really return 18 to 24 months after ACL surgery as opposed to 9 to 12 months. So yes, athletes are returning to play at that time point, but it can almost take an additional season to get back to normal performance, especially for, uh, for a professional athlete who's doing all these kind of activities. So it's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, next injury, which we don't see a lot of, particularly as you know, in the general population, we see this more as an injury that occurs in, in kind of over the over 50-year-old population is a quad tendon rupture. And Jamal Adams, one of those players who suffered that in the 49ers, Michael McGlinchey had had surgery for that as well, too, in the past. Maybe talk a little bit, Brian, about what's difficult about rehabbing from a quad tendon injury and why surgery can sometimes be difficult and, and it can be hard for athletes to get back to return. I don't actually have a really good answer for why this is so hard to get back to. I think we ask your quad tendon to take on considerable force, and I think probably it's most likely that the quad tendon 
especially for the older athletes and the athletes that are over 30 has just seen years and years and years of really intense, hard work, especially for people who do a lot of heavy lifting, your quads get really strong, that may be a disproportional amount of load on the quad tendon. But then once you have the injury and then the surgery, we have to protect your quad tendon. The surgery is actually really straightforward. You get about a two inch incision on the right above your kneecap. We put anchors usually into the patella and then we sew it back on. And it's a relatively simple surgery. It takes about 30, 35 minutes. But then we have to protect that tendon to bone healing where we're not going to really let you put weight on it for about six weeks. We're not really going to let you do strengthening for three months. And then you have that huge quad and it gets atrophied. And with that atrophy, we don't really have that ability to build up muscle really quickly. And for anybody who's tried to work out and make your quads stronger, it takes months and months and months. Most professional athletes over the age of 30 to 35, this can be risky in terms of even getting back on the field. If you look at Jamal Adams, he had injury September 12th, so first week of the season, and he may not even be back at the start of this season. And I think that's reasonable. You know, why is, is that harder than an ACL? Honestly, I don't know. You would think that once you get the strength back, which for many people is around eight to 10 months, you should be able to get back. But it really seems that this is a full and complete year-long recovery. I think the Seahawks are, for better or for worse, doing everything right and being conservative with him, making sure he's really, truly 100% before you let him get back and play in game situations. Yeah, absolutely. I think the quad is just such an important part of everything we do. And I think one of the things, and obviously in my population dealing with younger patients, we don't see this very often, but you're taking a muscle, a tendon that's it's kind of very, very important. You're repairing it and how that impacts the mechanics of the patella, the kneecap can also lead to pain and other issues as well, too. So I'm sure there's trying to restore some of those mechanics, even though you get a great repair, it can sometimes take time to kind of reteach the body to manage movement and explosive activities. Yeah, I think the last injury, kind of moving on, a lot of people have questions about or are are really surprised that someone can come back is Damar Hamlin. He had a cardiac arrest or what we like to call commotion cortis. Maybe Drew, can you describe a little bit more about what that is? I mean, as all of us cover games on the sidelines, that's something we are definitely afraid of happening when you see an athlete get hit and they don't get back up. So maybe take us through what that is and kind of what the, the general treatment is for that. Yeah, totally. And I think that was like definitely the scariest thing to see that happen. And, and then it's just amazing that he is where he is now. But basically what happens is there's just direct impact to the chest. And it happens just at the wrong time during the electrical cycle of the heart that it almost like short circuits it. And then so it goes into a rhythm that's not conducive to pumping blood anymore. You hit it at the wrong second, the wrong like nanosecond even. Like it's just such a small window of time. And and then it just kind of stops it from being able to function. And so, you know, it's something that it needs immediate treatment with an AED. So that's what we, you know, saw, you know, that Monday night, what happened was the training staff was able to get on the field. They were able to apply the AED and convert the rhythm back into normal because it gets, you know, short circuited and needs to be shocked back into function. And then it's a question of like, how long has the body been without perfusion of blood and brain especially. And, but yeah, so CPR initially AED to shock it back and then close supportive care from there. So luckily, you know, those are things that need to happen, like, like perfectly in line and came together very well for, for him. One of the things that comes up on Twitter and other social media is should he even be playing again? How does this differ? I know you're not a cardiologist, Drew, 
or hopefully you're not a cardiologist and you're no. just masquerading. <laughs> How is this different than having a baseline arrhythmia, like a you know a patient with AFib or somebody with Wolf Parkinson White or one of these childhood arrhythmias? Is this a unfortunate injury or is this a underlying problem that was brought up when he got hit? Yeah, I mean, I think it it is in this case. It seems like it is just that really, really unfortunate timing. It's almost like getting struck by lightning, and you know, it's it's not that you know, don't know for sure, but like it's not that his heart has some underlying problem that put him at a higher risk for this. It's just that he was hit in the the wrong place at the exact wrong time that led to this, and you know, it's something that is like really, really unusual, but you know, for him to have it happen again, it's not like he has some other thing that's saying, you know, it's not like he has a neck injury where, hey, if he goes back, like the next time he's paralyzed, like that's worth like saying, we'll never play again. Or, you know, like those other cardiac arrhythmias, like if you go back, we got lucky this time, but that's still there. You're still going to have a problem. Don't put your heart at risk of that happening. This is really just like, you know, this is like a one in a, like probably a few hundred million kind of occurrence. And um, it just happened in that setting. Yeah, and I think it also reemphasizes the need for people to know the basic steps of CPR. I mean, I think, you know, the it was the ESPN awards, they were the Bills medical, you know, athletic training staff. And so I think it's key, even if you're a spectator, you're watching your kids' games, just being knowing where the AED is, knowing how to do the basic steps of CPR, who to call, I think is really, really important. Cause honestly, we saw it play out on national TV. You can literally save someone's life. So an important thing for for everyone to know. And the last thing I think everyone always wonders as we go into training camp, kind of going to more general injuries, particularly the first couple of weeks of training camp, there's going to be a lot of soft tissue injuries. There's going to be hamstrings, there's going to be quads, and uh, you know there's going to be groin injuries. And I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that as athletes get back to explosive training, regardless of what they've done in the offseason, there's no you know way you can replicate that live season, the speed, the impact, et cetera. And people always get concerned, are these players injury prone, et cetera. I think there's a period of time in which these soft tissue injuries have to, you know, they'll pop up, they usually get resolved, but it's typically when you start getting into recurrent injuries, whether it be a hamstring, a quad, those injuries you get worried about, but something you'll definitely see as, as training camp kind of happens. And, you know, as the season goes along and uh, on our podcast, we'll definitely cover those injuries when they come up, particularly in key players as well, too. Once again, thank you, everyone, for listening to our podcast, Six to Eight Weeks. We'll have a lot of content for all of you as the NFL season goes on and big injuries start creeping up, and we hope you keep listening. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the UCSF Sports Medicine Podcast, Six to Eight Weeks, Perspectives in Medicine. What do you think of this topic? Connect with us now. In addition to finding our contact form, you'll also find our social media links in our entire Six to Eight Weeks episode archive. Help us grow our listenership by liking, subscribing, and sharing everywhere. We're eager to hear from you, and we'll be sending you more great thought-provoking content in less than six to eight weeks.